Amen. So I want to start off by reading some scripture for us. Uh, Exodus 17, uh, verses 8 to 15, I believe. This is the story of Moses and the Israelites uh, attacking the Malachites, or the Malachites attacking the Israelites, and Moses going up the hill. It's very popular. Does everybody know this story? Yeah? Not everybody knows the story. This, this may be new. Okay, let me read. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. And so Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men who go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joseph did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and, an, and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed, overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and he called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. We had a meeting, uh, the elders, and uh, this week, and I started going off. I don't know how the conversation started, but we started, I started going off uh, on a Marvel movie called Black Widow. I'm not recommending it for anyone to watch necessarily, but I started going off on how this was the worst Marvel movie ever because the coincidences in this movie were ridiculous. Like, like it should never, like some of the battles, you know when things happen, you're like, that is so fake. That would never happen, right? Like, at one point, there's this gigantic spaceship in the air, and it starts crashing, and everyone's falling, and this girl's falling, and she happens to land on a runway, which is falling from the sky, and there happens to be a parachute there, or a motorbike, and she gets on the motorbike that happens to be there while she's falling, and she starts zooming down the runway, and she jumps, and then you see this debris falling through the air, and there happens to be a window there perfectly, so she shoots through the window. Do you know what I'm talking maybe not specifically with this movie but have you ever watched a movie where these things happen you're like this is so bizarre like this this is only hollywood and one of our one of our elders after i finished lamenting on how fake this was you know and how annoying this was said to me greg you know the movie's not real right (laughs) You, you know the whole thing's fake right and i was like yes but this was just over the top. Well, <laughs> why am I talking about this? I'm reading through the Bible again this year. I'm currently in Exodus. And I love reading through the book of Exodus. Do you guys like reading through the book of Exodus? It's fun. It's exciting. Because there are stories that if you would tell someone that didn't know the word, like if you would tell them this story, they'd be like, which producer in Hollywood made this story? Is that not true? As I started reading this book and looking how God saved the Israelites miraculously, I started going, wait a second. These Marvel movies, maybe they're Christian movies because this is how the Lord works. Doesn't he? Like, that was almost sacrilegious saying that, wasn't it? No, but seriously, when you think about how God moved with the Israelites, it is astounding. 
We're talking whole seas splitting in half. And irony, right? Like if that happened, like when you read that, you're like, well, wait, the, there's no way they could still go through there because the ground would be muddy. Like how are they going to take their carts and all their oxen and all their, their sheep, everything through there? No, but the Lord knows, right? It's like the parachute on the runway falling from the sky. No, I'll take care of this too, okay? Man, the ground was dry. Thirsty? Well, let's just strike a rock, and out of this rock will flow rivers of living water to consume. And it goes on and on. You read these stories. These are miraculous stories. Can I start off by saying something to you this morning? That our battles are not meant to be fair battles. When you walk with the Lord, man, it's not a fair fight. Say that again. Amen. The way the Israelites were freed from slavery, marching to the promised land and everything that happened, it's not meant to be a fair fight. They had the king of the universe, the God Almighty with them, leading them. It's not meant to be a fair fight. It's not meant to be a fair fight for us. Why? Because we have the living God, the Holy Spirit, making a home in us. Is that not miraculous? The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and me. It's not meant to be a fair fight, church. It's not meant to be a fair fight. But why does it seem like it's a fair fight? Does it seem like it's a fair fight sometimes? It does. Battles are hard. And so my question to you is, is what are you fighting the battles with? If the living God lives inside of you, what are we fighting the battles with? Why does it seem like a fair fight? Notice that I'm not saying anything about inexperience. Right? I'm asking a question, what are you fighting with? I'm not saying, are you, you know, ranking this high in the kingdom of God? Because the Israelites didn't rank high. When, you, when this battle that we're talking about today... They had just come out of Israel. I'm sorry, Egypt. They had just been set free from slavery in Egypt. They were wanderers. They're, they're like transient herdsmen. They have got children with them. They've got women with them. They've got their families with them. There was no training for battle. There was no training for war. And this was their first battle. Sometimes inexperience can be bad, can, can really hurt you. I remember my, one of my first dates. Get this. One of my first dates... I was a rookie. I was going to take this girl that I met on a missions trip to Phantom of the Opera. Okay? I just let you into my life. I love musicals. I love Phantom of the Opera. Anyways, I thought I would take her to Phantom of the Opera. Man, but I, I was 18 years old, you know, thought I was really cool. But I drive downtown Vancouver. It's like a two-hour drive. You get to get to downtown. Well, an hour and a half. Get to downtown. And I didn't plan where we were going to have supper. And so we drove aimlessly around as she, didn't, she couldn't take the lead either and tell us where we were going to have supper. So we end up at Phantom of the Opera, ready to watch a three-hour show. We haven't even eaten. 
Okay? So now she is starving to death, and I'm so embarrassed. I'm, I'm struggling, like, what can I do here? What can, what, how can I save myself? I'll buy her a piece of cake in this luxurious Victoria, you know, art, uh, orchestra hall. I buy her a piece of cake, and we sit down, and we watch the first hour and a half. And then I'd plead to see this. These are the words that come out of my mouth on my first date with her, trying to impress her, make a good impression. I said, wow, you look nice tonight. She was wearing this shawl thing. I said, that looks like my grandma's tablecloth. <laughs> yeah, I said that. Thank you. So now I have a starving date, an offended date. And uh, did you know that we actually never went out again after that? I think she was pretty grateful. She got to see Phantom of the Opera for free and never have to see me again. But that was inexperienced. Failure. This is the Israelites, okay? They're inexperienced in the battle, okay? But they won a great victory, a mighty victory. And I think this battle sets the tone for what God wants to do further on. It sets the tone in different ways. And I want to draw your attention to four things this morning. Sorry, three things this morning. Uh, that Moses did, that I felt this church, I really just feel like the Lord laid this on my heart for us this morning. And I want to be as passionate and exuberant as he can make me and he wants me to be. But four things this morning. Uh, Number one, I want, oops, oh, I didn't change the slides. That was up to me. I'm sorry, church. Number one, Moses decides who will fight the battle. Moses decides. When you're going to fight a battle, Right? Good leaders know who to put in charge. Right, So we have a uh, hockey team. If you want to try to win the Stanley Cup, are you going to get a golfer to play goalie for you? You would never get a golfer to play goalie for you, would you? No, you want to get the best goalie that can possibly play goalie for you to play in that position. No matter what you do, you want to find the best person to put, you in, to put in charge. And who does... Uh, who does Moses put in charge of this battle? Joseph, Joseph, I'm sorry, church. Moses chooses Joshua. The other, the other week, uh, Rob was preaching, and he was about to give this point, share this point, and he asked the congregation, please don't email me until Tuesday. And so I, I want to allude to a few things that aren't necessarily written in the scripture right here, but one of the things that struck out to me about Joseph, Joseph, this is the first time Joshua is ever mentioned in the Bible. There's no leading up to it. There's no introduction of him. But I just think, what is the irony of Moses choosing Joshua to be in charge? Do you know that word Joshua means Yeshua? means God of salvation. This is who Moses puts in charge of the battle. His, his name means, it's a Greek way of saying Jesus. Jesus fights our battles. Church, who do we put in charge of our battles? If we aren't fighting a battle of flesh and blood. Why would we fight our battles with flesh and blood? Church, we need to remember we're not fighting. Corinne mentioned this as she led praise and worship this morning, that we're fighting against the principalities. She, uh, she quoted Ephesians 6.12. Church, we need to remember we're not fighting a battle of flesh and blood. So why would we choose flesh and blood to fight our battles? Some scripture, Second Chronicles 20, 15, uh, 15. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. 
First Samuel seventeen forty seven, and we know the sorry, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hand. Second Chronicles twenty verse seventeen, you will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Deuteronomy twenty verse four, for the Lord your God is He who goes before you to fight for you, against your enemies, to give you the victory. Church, we sing this all the time, don't we? The battle belongs to the Lord. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. This is how I fight my battles. Church, who are we putting in charge of our battles? Who are we putting in charge of our battles? I, I don't know about you, but I get so tempted and find myself so deep in fighting battles with the flesh. It's my natural inclination, it would seem. And then I wonder. And then I wonder. Number two. Moses picks his posture. You ever have those things where, like, they, they repulse you in this way, but you can't not look at them? Have you ever come across those things? I have a few people in my family like that. The pimple popper. Have you guys ever heard of the pimple popper? Okay. Don't turn to the Pimple Popper videos, but they watch these things, and I find myself wanting to peek, you know, but I, I can't go there, because if I go there, think, it's just not going to go well for this whole interior part of my body. It's not going to go well. Facebook is like the, that to me. I think Facebook should be renamed Offense Book. It should be called Offense Book, and they should have a selection called Friends and Acquaintances. Shouldn't they have an acquaintance line? Like, Friends deep acquaintance that's i have lots of acquaintances but facebook i i i don't read the message but uh if i did i would think that matthew 19 would go something like this it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a christian who goes on facebook to enter the kingdom of god for me it's like i go to facebook i lose my faith it's like the i need to go to Facebook, not facebook you know when I go there, I lose my faith. And Moses here, Moses postures himself in a way to get a better perspective on things. And I like what Moses does here. Moses, it says that he went up the hill to, to retreat. He went up the hill with Aaron and her to get a perspective. When you go up on a hill in battle, you get a per, better perspective, don't you? For me, I'm a little OCD. One of my favorite things to do with my lawn is to go like this. I like to get low. Because the lower I get with my lawn, the more beautiful it looks. Have you ever noticed that? I like to mow my lawns in straight lines, right? Okay, I'm very picky. I go back and forth. My son has started mowing the lawn. He does a really good job. He named our lawnmower Lydia. I tell him, hey, hey, it's time to take Lydia for a walk. He understands what that means, and he goes. And, and he does a really good job. But the best for me is just to, to look at it from a distance. If I get low, my lawn looks really good. Because what happens, if I go on my patio and look at my lawn, it's sparse and dry and disgusting. And I'm like, this lawn is horrible. It's just gross. It needs so much work. 
Have you ever noticed that? Man, try going in the snow maze. Like, it's, it's hard, right? But if you could get a, a maze on a paper and look, oh, that's just way easier. Up perspective. Moses retreats. And it's this posture of retreating to get a better perspective on that battle. To get a better view of what's going on. And there's this posture of prayer that, that takes place. And I want to encourage us. Man, when you're facing that battle, sometimes when you get up close, it's hard to see, isn't it? It's hard to, to get that perspective, that right perspective when you're in so close. And I, guys, I would encourage you, step back. Step back. Step back. Go up the mountain with Jesus. Get alone with Jesus. Get high with Jesus. And pray. Seek Jesus in those times and those battles. Like Moses did retreating. He knew who to put into charge of the battle. He said, Joshua, this is yours. You go fight. You go. I put you in charge from me. I'm going up this hill to get a better perspective. I'm going to go up here and be with the Lord. And can I just read some scripture over you of this? Man, therefore confess your sins one another and pray for one another. Ephesians 6.18, pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray with all, uh, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. 2 Timothy 2, first of all, then I urge you that supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. But I say to you, Matthew 5.44, love your enemies and pray for those who per- persecute you. That's a good one for this day and age. James 5.13, if anyone among you is suffering, he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He used to sing praises. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made to God. And Colossians 4, 2. Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Church, pray. Pray. Ask God for his perspective. It helps us to see better. Helps us to get the Lord's perspective or called to it. Banners. What about banners? Church, I, I would confess this is this is the biggest deal for me this morning. And what I would want you to walk away from. And it's probably all I should have talked about or needed to talk about. But this question of what banner are we flying? today banners are prevalent right banners are for for us to see banners are also for others to see and banners do a few things banners identify us right this banner right now the olympics are just ending they're having their closing ceremonies but you see a whole flock of people waving this banner because it declares something right a banner declares your heritage, it can declare your heritage. Who you are, right? And you, you, you sew it onto your clothing. You wave it nice and high. If you're at the Olympics, you strap some sharp edge to your body and you stand on ice and be fast or fancy. Or you get to the top of a hill and you go down with those edges, fast or fancy. That's the Olympics. But you wave this. You declare this. This declares our heritage, what we stand for. Amen? Banners do that. Who are you? I'm a Canadian. That used to mean different things. Right now, that, that means different things. We won't get into that. But when you see this drive, this today, 
Today, this means that you're probably against mandates. Right? If you're driving around, you see it. It used to mean something a little different. But this is your heritage. It's who you are. It's where you were born. It's your people. Banners declare... Sorry. Banners can declare our victories or what we believe in. Sorry, what we believe in. You see banners flying out at sports events. John 3.16, you're like, that guy has to be a believer, right? But we wave banners of what we believe in. We wave banners to declare whose team we're on. What if I would have worn this? I was going to wear this all service to try to prove a point. Some of you don't like these colors. I prefer these colors over other colors. But if I was to wear this, you would say I'm on what team? Vancouver Canucks. If I was to turn it around, you'd probably say, boo. But this guy used to be on the Manitoba Moose. I'll just have you know. Okay? So he's got some Manitoba blood. But this, this, this declares a team. If I would walk around in this, wearing this, you would know what I stood for. You would know who I cheered for. And you'd either be my friend or you wouldn't be my friend. Right? But it declares something. We hang banners to spur ourselves on, to encourage us. We have this banner flying in our church. Now, what a powerful banner to encourage us and spur us on. Faithful and true. When you think of Jesus, man, when I lead worship and I think about Jesus coming back or winning my battles, I think of this picture. My Savior coming back to redeem. Banners are at start lines, banners at finish lines. And banners say something about us. Banners declare something about us. What we wave, what we wear, Nike is a banner. Gucci, is that even still a thing? I mean, look at that girl's purse she's got. Woo! But banners say something, and we fly them. We fly them, don't we? We fly them. Moses flew a banner. Moses chose to fly a banner. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, my banner. His banner that day looked like this. This was his banner. This was probably more manly than this branch. But what did this banner represent? It was called the staff of God. And he raised it above his head. And remember, banners are for you to see and they're for people to see. And when he raised this banner, the victory was won. And when this banner came down, they started to lose. What did this banner represent, church? This banner represented a people set free from slavery miraculously. Amen? This banner could turn into a serpent and was such a manly serpent that it could swallow up other serpents. This banner could turn rivers into blood. This banner could part sea and make a way through to safety. This banner could strike rocks and living water would pour out of it. This was a banner that expressed the power 
of God. And when Moses held up this banner, the victory was won. And as soon as that banner started to come down, things went backwards for the Israelites, didn't it? Church, can I ask, can I ask us, what banner are you flying today? What banner naturally comes out of you? What banner? What if we flew the banner? What if we flew this banner on social media with the same passion, with the same investigation? You know, like we go, not all of us, maybe not you, but this is why I don't go to Facebook because I just see flesh banners all the time. Banners of scientists. Banners of conspiracy. Banners of hate. Banners of discouragement. And I just never see Jesus, or rarely. Maybe I have the wrong friends, but I never see Jesus, my God, who separated the seas, who, slept, who set the Israelites free from slavery the same way he did me. My God, who provided food in the wilderness and, ro- and water from rocks. My God, that slayed giants. My God, that makes a way. My God, I just don't, where is that banner? Where is the banner? Where is the hope? Where is the victory? Church, what banner are we flying today? I did see a banner. This, yesterday there was a banner and I, I, had to, I had to type. Like I responded like, thank you for your banner. Thank you for your banner. I trust Jesus more today because of that banner. And people see us when we walk around, don't they? They know, they know what you stand for. They know where your hope is. They do. One of my greatest prayers is, is that when you're done talking to me, you're going to love Jesus more. Okay? You're going to love Jesus more. You're going to have more faith. You're going to have more hope. You're going to have more joy. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in me, and that's what should happen when we meet together. That's what should happen, shouldn't it? It should. If you have a Christian, I'm harping on Facebook. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. This is, this is my, my Rob moment, okay? This is Rob, if you're watching online, this is what I'll be doing. I'm going to do this this morning, okay? It's like, man, if I have believing friends, when I talk to them, I should have more faith afterwards. No? Yes or No. It's not meant to be a fair fight, church. It's not meant to be a fair fight. And right now, even as I say that, it's kind of offensive, isn't it? Because the first thought that's coming through your minds is, I don't experience that. But it always seems, it doesn't seem that powerful. It's supposed to be that powerful. Whether, Whether you're winning today or your victory comes the next day, it's going to come. Did you know that we will win? No matter if Justin Trudeau is prime minister or emergency act comes into power or all this stuff is, we will win. That is the truth. Amen? We will win. So maybe we should pray. 
Maybe we should exhort and call in the name of the Father and raise the staff of God in our lives. Say, this is what it looks like. Help me, Jesus, to do it. Help me to do it. Help me to do it. Help me to raise a banner. The Lord is my banner. It's my prayer. And I'm not trying to condemn or anything. I'm just trying to spur you on and exhort you. I'm not pointing fingers at all. I feel like this is what the Lord wanted me to say this morning. This is what he wanted me to press home this morning. Whose team are you on? What jersey are you wearing? When people leave your presence, do they know you love Jesus? What if we went on social media and raised our banners the same way we raise other banners? What if we raised our banners over our own sin the way we attack and raise our flesh banners over our brothers and sisters? Wow. What if we raised our banners in worship the same way we do at our sports games? As a worship leader, I get so frustrated that I'm, people are allowed to paint their faces and lose their voices at sporting events. But when we come to church, we have to be quiet. Or if it's offensive, to ask someone to dance and cheer. No! It shouldn't be offensive. Raise your banner. This is the place to do it. That's right, they should fall. That's what should happen. Right? What happens? You know why home field, is, home field advantage is home field advantage? Because everyone's raising the banner of the battle. That's why home field advantage is home field advantage. They're all dressed the same. They all look like they could actually be on the field. And they're as loud and spurring them on. That's what it is. If you took that away from home field, if you went to a Winnipeg Jets game and no one was wearing Winnipeg Jets jerseys and no one cheered for the Jets and they all wore Vancouver jerseys like they should, then it wouldn't be home, it wouldn't be home ice advantage. Would it? No. Why does it seem like a fair fight sometimes? I ask us, what are we fighting with? What weapons are we fighting with? What banner are we raising? My last point. In saying all that I just said, Thirdly, Moses stays in community. I just want to acknowledge that fighting is actually quite hard. Fighting is hard. It's easy to get passionate and say, what banner are you raising? But fighting is hard. And you can't do it alone. And Moses couldn't do it alone. Moses goes up the mountain with Aaron and Hur. Says that after some time, his arms got tired. And so one on either side. First they get a rock and they make it comfortable for Moses. And then one on each side. They start lifting his hands. You know, why would they spend right till sundown lifting his hands? I mean, it's an important... Doesn't that just scream that this is a big deal? I mean, if, if that rod comes down and the battle starts going the wrong direction, it makes it a big deal. Church, can I just say your battles are a big deal? No matter how small or big in the eyes in the world in the eyes of the world, they're a big deal. God cares. And he has the victory. The victory is his. But we need community. 
And I just thought it was really, it, you know, this is a powerful picture. And this illustration is used in many sermons in many different places. That fact that we need community. We need to be surrounded by people that are with us in our battles. Amen? Do you guys need people here in your battles? You do. What happens when they're not there? And your arms come down. It's hard. It's tiring. This really neat thing I, I thought it was really neat is, you know, Aaron Hur lift his hands, but they didn't take this. Did you notice that they didn't take the staff out of his hands? Right? Like they didn't say, no, this is mine. I'll, I'll take this out. Let me lift it for you. No, they left it in his hands. To kind of just say, like, church, these are your battles, and God's called you to be in community with others to have them help you fight your battles. Help you stay with Jesus. Help you seeing Jesus. Fighting for and with Jesus. Where can you go to get people to lift your hands? Not Facebook. (laughs) Can I suggest that your youth... If you have kids youth age, they should go to youth. Why? To find people to raise their hands, help raise their hands. If you're a young adult in this church, you're sitting here and you're new to this church, you're a young adult. Young adults should be a place where you go to find people your age or of similar interest to help raise your hands. Community groups, great place to go to find brothers and sisters in the Lord to help Raise your hands. And this church right here should be a place you come to find people to help raise your hands. One of the things that Rob said last week that I just latched on to, you know when you hear those things you'll never forget them, it's like, you know, listening should not be the best part of your Sunday morning. Can I just raise my hand to that and say, I, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. So many times, as a worship leader, I've had some people come up. Sorry, that's going to sound. No, there have been times when people have come to me. Man, worship was so awesome today. Worship was so good today. And I was like, really? What made it so awesome? Do you know that they never say it was the songs? They never say that. They never say, oh, man, you, just, you played this song or that song, and, and your electric guitarist, well, they did this riff. Oh, I just it got my hair. My hair stood up. It was so amazing. Well, that drummer, he just played on time the whole time. Man, he was solid. That vocalist, well, it's not that. I've heard that. Man, it was good. This, and this. But when people come up to me to say, man, worship was really good today, do you know what happened? Every time in those circumstances, everybody was active in praise and worship. There was this corporate worship taking place where there was an an active, like there was an engagement, there was a marching forward, you know, similar to like Second Chronicles 20 when it's like they put the worshipers in front of the armies and they go and they worship Jesus. They worship Jesus. And that's what makes worship powerful for me. Not when I think the band hits a home run. No, no. It could just be acoustic guitar. And we do this together. We come 
actively saying, Jesus, what do you have me to bring? How can I help lift someone's hands today in worship? And my belief, my, my honest belief is, if you're struggling with raising your hands in worship, don't do it for duty. Do it because the Bible says it's a great way to do it, but to, to worship the Lord. But it spurs people on around you. It, it, encourages, it encourages them. It sets people free. There is a lifting of hands, church, that needs to happen in this place. Through the worship, through the music, through the fellowship. It's why we should have coffee together so we can meet with one another. It's why we should have altar calls so we can lift each other's hands up, help when they're tired. It's why we should sing to give God utmost glory and get our hands lifted up, encourage and spur one another on and more into Christ. It's why we should preach for people to get saved, people to get healed, and people to be set free for the lost to come in here and never be the same. This should be a place. Church should be a place where glorious things happen. Where glorious things happen. You should come into here. Maybe I'm being idealistic. But you should come into this place and you should leave looking different. When I thought about that, I was like, I just thought about my wife like going to the hair salon when she goes, she looks different when she comes back. Right? There's an expectation. I'm going there. When I come out, I'm looking different. Period. Hmm? Amen? Oh, man. It's my prayer that God is glorified in this place. And we leave looking different. Why? So the world can see that we look different. I should put this down. See, the Israelites were inexperienced. Nothing to fall back on. Moses knew who to put in charge. Moses knew how to posture himself. And Moses stayed in community. What is your battle? Who or what is your banner? And where are your people? I'm going to invite the team to come up. And I'm going to pray for us. Father, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for how you love us. I thank you for how you're committed to us. Father, I'm asking in Jesus' name that you would help us in this season, Jesus. God, would you remind us of who you are? Father, would you help us to be faithful, Lord Jesus? Father, you help us to defy odds and, and, and situations and, and raise your banner in this place. Raise your banner in our homes. God, raise your banner in our areas of influence, Lord Jesus. God, would you let your grace and your mercy flow in us, and Father, and surround us with people who love us and can lift our hands and help support us in our battles, Jesus. Will you show us who those people are? God, would you break off strategies and, and temptations of the enemy to stay alone in this, day, in, in this day and age, Lord? Would you help us to engage, to get back into 
what it means to follow you in community, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our church, wherever that may be. God, help us to be salt and light. In Jesus' name, amen.